To be like Jesus means to be the best human that human beings have ever seen or witnessed or experienced on the face of this earth. What a great, a great thought. Tonight is good to see you, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. Uh, thank you for being here. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name and thank you. We thank you so very much for allowing us to worship tonight, for bringing us back again to say thank you. Thank you to you for your goodness and for your mercy and for your love and for your grace. Thank you, Lord God, for Jesus, your great son who died on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. Thank you for yet another opportunity just to be able to say thank you and to praise your name. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sin will never turn you loose. Sin will never free us because it doesn't have the power to do so. And sin catches us sometimes. It catches us when we're least expecting it. Galatians 6 and verse 1 illustrate that by, by stating to us, brethren, if any, if any, if, if any, or even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be, caught, be tempted to be caught. If, if any are caught in, in sin, and that idea is to be overtaken uh, like an animal caught in a, in a net. You, you weren't expecting it. It, it. It's one of those things that happen. Matthew 26, I think we've all been there where it, it just caught us. We weren't, we're trying to stay away from sin, but somehow, some way, sin, sin caught us when we were not expecting it to. We fight against sin. We strive to, to stay away from sin, but sometimes we get caught up in sin. Like Peter. Matthew 26 in verse 75. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus said, Before a cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He was caught up, right? I mean, so did Peter mean to deny Jesus? No, he didn't mean to deny. It wasn't on his mind to deny Jesus, but he got caught. It, things didn't work the way Peter thought they would. Matthew 26 and verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And you say, Well, what do you mean by that, Peter? Did you mean that? Well, yeah, he, he meant it. Look, look at verse 51. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword. That's Peter. And struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. They only had two swords, church. And there were men with clubs and, and all kinds of and swords and all kinds of weapons. And Peter draws his sword and says, Lord, I got this. But things didn't work out the way Peter thought they would. Sin, 
So this world, I'm going back to Genesis chapter 5, the world went from a place that God called very good to being a stench in his nostrils. God kept warning them to change, but they would not listen. It was willful sin. And God sent Enoch. Enoch was born into the world in Genesis 5 and verse 21. The Bible says that Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. And then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What was so special about Enoch? Go to Jude, please. Enoch was a man who walked with God in the midst of all of this, this sin and, and willful illness of sin, struggles. And Enoch was a preacher. And the Bible says Enoch preached. And listen to what Enoch said. Verse 14 of Jude. And about these also Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And Enoch was preaching this message to a world of, of instability and wickedness and evil. But Enoch was not. God took him. God didn't let Enoch, I'm going to Hebrews chapter 11, God didn't let Enoch suffer amongst this wicked generation, but instead God took him. And in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 5, the Bible says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. He was a preacher who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God told them. God, God told the people, chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, stop sinning. He told them to stay away from sin. He warned them about sin. He spoke to them. He instructed them on how to live their lives, of what to do and what not to do. Well, Hebrews 1 tells us that. In verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, he spoke to the fathers. He told them. Well, Genesis 4, he talked to Cain. He said, Cain, there's something wrong with your heart, Cain. And Genesis 4 and verse 4, God spoke to Cain, and this is what the conversation said. And Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock. You know, their fat portions and the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? I just love that question. Right? You ever ask yourself that question? What? Tony, why are you angry today? Why, why are you upset? Why are you bothered? Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do not do well, or if you do well, rather, will not your countenance be lifted up? 
And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and his desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain, get it together. And he did not. Cain did not get it together. He went out and killed his brother. The conversation, stay away from sin. Cain, think about what you're doing. Think about why you're angry. Think about why your countenance has fallen. First John chapter 3. See, sin grabs a hold of us, and it will not turn us loose. We have to turn it loose. Sin will remain in our lives as long as we allow it to remain there. But we got to get it together. And we have to tell Satan to be gone. We have to stand up against sin. First John chapter 3 and verse 11. For this is the message which you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Why did you, why did you, because you messed up. So you're angry at everybody else because you messed up. We see that in people's lives all the time. You know, I messed up and I'm going to blame the world for my mistakes. No, you got to own it. Own your sin. Repent of your sin. Make things right with God. Turn your life around. That's what God tells us to do. Stop blaming everybody else. Cain, if you do well, you can hold your head up. If you do not do well, sin is at the door. It's crouching. It's waiting to devour you. Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and verse 4. God talked to them. God told them. By faith, Abel. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. You can't do something by faith unless you hear it. See, God talked to them. God told them what to offer. A lot of times people say, we want to give, you know, Cain a, you know, give Cain a bad, or give God a bad rap for, for accusing Cain of doing evil. No, no, by faith, God told them. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. You can't be righteous without the law of God. He obtained a testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. He was declared righteous by obeying the laws of God where there is no law, there is no violation. There was a law, church. There was a rule. Abel followed it, Cain did not, and Cain blamed the world. <laughs> Literally almost, right? Only four of <laughs> them. He actually killed one-fourth of the world, didn't he? For his sins. Genesis chapter 6. It just kept getting worse, right? You know, the, the, the sin is just horrifically devastating because, it, you know, these people invited sin into their lives. And once it got a foothold in, once it, once it got a foothold in, it just, it wouldn't turn anyone loose. It just, it just kept getting worse over and over and over. It kept getting worse. That's what happens in our lives. The longer we stay in sin, the worse it gets. The worse the life gets. The longer you stay in it, the longer you stay in the cesspool of sin, the weaker you become. The more troubled we become. The more condemned we become. The angrier we become. And then we get to that point where we begin to justify everything that we're doing. Here's a passage about genealogy, about the genealogical trail of Jesus Christ. But he brings in the Nephilim in verse uh, 4. The Nephilim were on the earth those days. 
and also uh, afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they were uh, born children to them, those who were mighty men who were of old, men of renown. These were, you know, some of the giants. But that word Nephilim, the idea, when you think about Nephilim, they're giants, right? The Nephilim, Cashelim, uh, uh the Anakim, uh, they're all a part of Genesis. You go to Genesis 10, First Chronicle chapter 1, you find this, this genealogical trail. These are, these are the giants. But, but the idea in chapter uh, 6 and verse 4 is that these men were tyrants. These men were attackers or bullies. Uh, these men were, were bandits, robbers. That's kind of the word and that idea of the Nephilim in uh, chapter 6 and verse, verse 4. And the sons of God, well, it, it, it makes sense. You go and you read uh, the genealogical trail in Luke, and Luke takes it all the way back to Adam, and then who's Adam's father? God. Right? It's, it's genealogy, right? And so when you look at verse 1 and verse 2, now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the land, the daughters that were born to them, the sons of God, so now we're dealing with genealogy, right? Uh, God to Adam, and then you go to Seth, and then from Seth, you follow it to Jesus, but then you follow Cain's genealogy, and you go into a different direction. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. They took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. These men followed the way of evil, right? Followed Cain, from Cain to Lamech, and it continued on, and then God eventually did what? He destroyed the world. Why did God do that? Because it just, it just kept getting worse. It, it became increasingly worse. And it just, and it just kept going down this, this trail of, of wickedness. So much so to the point where God had to destroy the world. And he spoke to Noah. He said to Noah in Genesis 6, in verse 5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that the every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man, the animals, the creeping things, and the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. They just, they just keep getting worse. Right? They, they just they just. I guess I need to change that. We just keep getting worse. Right? Why? It's so easy to say. They kept getting worse. But if we look at our world today, we keep getting worse. We love our sin, don't we? The, the dishonor of our God, the dishonor to our, our fellow men. You just, I mean, you, you know, I don't even know what, uh, what you'd call the news today other than depression, depression TV. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just depression. It just keeps getting, I mean, everything's, everything is just getting or has gotten worse. You don't have to be a part of that church. Like Enoch, who was in a world that continually grew worse. Yet he stood with God. He stood pleasing to God. He stayed away from sin. And he kept telling them that God is coming back. He just preached Jesus. He preached God to them, should I say. 
He, he preached in the midst of a, of a godless society. How godless were they? God sent a flood and killed them all. That's how godless they were. Do I have the strength or the energy to stand today against or opposed to sin to that which is evil? Or am I just one of those who are falling in line with everyone else and sinning like everybody else and not even making an effort to turn my life to Jesus? And then God makes this statement after the flood, Genesis 6, chapter 7, and Noah's allowed to leave the ark. And in verse 21, God tells us something about the condition of the human heart. We weren't born this way. But you know, it, it, we quickly become this way. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma, verse 21 of Genesis 8, the soothing aroma. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on the account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Notice he doesn't say he was born evil, it's just from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. See, it doesn't take long, especially nowadays, right? You know, you start watching television and you start seeing commercials. Right? You, you, we watch certain shows and movies. Uh, we find ourselves in the midst of people, evil people. We see evil. We learn evil. We participate in evil. We start learning this lesson early that it looks like evil prevails doesn't it? It looks like evil wins. I mean, you know, it just, it just looks that way. You look around and you go, well, you know, that guy is a bad person, and, and look, he got away with doing this, and oh, look at this person. This person did this, and, and they got away, and then this person. But, but, but see, we don't always see the end of the picture. The end picture proves that evil never wins. Evil never, ever wins. It, it may win the battle, but it never wins the war. It never wins the war, church. Well, Mankind refuses to, to change his heart. Sin is a choice. Right? It's a choice. I, I choose to sin. Luke, please, chapter 22. I choose to sin. It's a choice. Love is a choice. Hatred is a choice. Evil is a choice. Sin is a choice. So I, I guess, you know, one of the questions, and we don't want to leave ever on a, on a, a sour note, but we do that in our lessons because we're talking about evil. But, but we, we still win, right? Right, church? We we. we we're the victors, right? And, and what we have to do, you know, to combat sin is we have to use the tool that God gave us. He gave us lots of tools, but I want to talk about one in particular in kind of, in kind of wrapping uh, this lesson uh, thought up. And that's the power of prayer, right? That's, that is the tool to, to be in prayer and to ask the Lord, please, Lord, keep me from from my own evil self, from, from, from my own desires, from the things that I know I ought not do. Help me to change my heart. Help me to be like you, God. 
And, and sometimes um, that might mean some sifting, right? Um, so Peter was Satan's tool for just a moment. And, and, and Satan said, I got Peter in a place where I know I can get him. He's not, I mean, he's, he's alert and he's ready. The problem is I found a way to get in, to get in there. I'm going to come through the back door. But first I've got to get permission. And so in Luke 22, um, the Bible says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. And he's asking God, God, if I could, you know, I, I know I, I met with Job. I, th- I thought I had you, Lord. I, I was wrong. I thought I had mankind pegged. And, and you were right. You were right again, God. And, but I think I got Peter pegged. I think if I could have Peter, if I could, if you would let me just have Peter just for a moment. And God says, you're not going to win. But something had to happen to Peter to transform him into the man that he became. And, and it was some sifting. You know, God's like, okay, I want to sift him a little bit. Because sifting Peter is good for Peter. Right? We may not like to be sifted but sifting did some amazing things for Peter. So here's what Jesus did not do. Verse, verse 20, uh, 32, rather. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus, I don't want you to pray that my faith not fail. I want you to just take it away. <laughs> I don't want to be sifted by Satan. No, no, Peter, you need this. So what I did was I prayed for you, and I know you're going to be all right. Now, what I love about that passage is because John 17, Jesus says, I prayed for you, and you guys are all going to be all right. I like that. I love that, right? I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. You're going to hurt a little bit, but you're not going to fail. And you, I need you to take what you learn back to the brethren And I want you to allow it to make you a better man, a stronger man in faith. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brother. See, Peter, you're going to walk away just for a moment because you're going to have to reflect. And I want to bring out three things uh, before we go to one more scripture and close that, that Peter got or gained from his sifting. Number one, God prayed that he would be victorious. That took sifting. It took sifting to make Peter victorious because the sifting caused Peter to take a closer look at himself. Right? How do you react or respond when things don't quite go the way you expect them to? You know, it catches us by surprise, but are you on the alert? Are you able to rebound from that? Are you able to bounce back? When something catches you by surprise when you weren't expecting it it to. The second thing that that this victory that Jesus prayed for Peter, I'm praying for you, you're going to gain the victory, and and when you gain the victory, go back and strengthen your brethren. The second thing it did for Peter is it brought him to his knees to pray. I don't know about you, but sometimes I sadly admit I need some sifting to bring me to my knees to pray. Got to pray a little bit more. You know, you can't pray enough. 
Got to pray a little bit more. And, and, and the sifting, though it was victorious, the victory is what brought Peter to his knees. And the sifting also through this victory that Peter received. It helped Peter to recognize the desperate need that we have for God and the seriousness of Christianity of good against evil. It helped him recognize that, right? It helped him realize that. Peter, we're not going to fight the way you thought we were going to fight. We're fighting a little bit differently. Are you willing and are you ready? Some sifting will help you figure this out. So let's think for just a moment as we close in James chapter 1, beginning at, um, at verse 12. The first thing God does, as he did with Cain, is he takes away from us the power that we use to um, blame everybody else for our own weaknesses and shortcomings. And let's just be honest, blame God, right? Let no one say we need to tempted. James 1 and verse 12. Listen to what it says. Blessed is man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. All right, so can't blame anyone else. Can't blame God. All right, Adam and Eve, they figured that worked out pretty good for them, but it didn't. Can't say, God, why would you make me this way? Why would you ask that? You're the clay, he's the potter. Right. We, we, we can't uh, uh, say, Lord, you know, if I wasn't, if, if I weren't here or if I weren't there or if this weren't, I mean, we just, just, just own it, right? Uh, so owning it is, is the hard part. And, and that's, that's verse um, 14. It's, it's me, <laughs> right? It, it's right here. It's in this thing right here. This thing is messed up. I don't know about yours, but this one, <laughs> you know, each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own, this, by his own lust. Right? It's not God, and it's not my neighbor, it's not the people over there, and it's not, it's me. I am my own problem. I am my own worst enemy. It's me. Own it, church. Right? Don't blame everybody else. It's me. And you, I know you could say, well, yes, he is the preacher. No, it's you too, but right? I, I am my own problem. And, and until I surrender to that and say, okay, Lord, uh, you made me upright, but I sought out many evil devices. I, I did that. See, I thought this would be a little fun. I thought that'd be fun. And then I thought this person was really, and then I thought this. And, I, and then I was, so, I was striving after this, and I really thought I wanted that. And I changed directions over here, and then I, oh, and then I prayed. And then I went back over here, and I did, right? It's me, church. Sin is horrifically devastating. And it's my own problems that cause my own problems. Right? I mean, I know there are things that exist outside of me, but we're talking about being tempted. We're talking about being drawn away by our own lust. I'm enticed by my own lust. Satan doesn't have to know me. I know myself. Right? And then it says, and then when lust, verse, I think, uh, 15, yeah, 15. When lust conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, 
I die. Right? It brings forth death. Am I suicidal, church? <laughs> Spiritual. Right? Think about that, right? Uh, I got my own lust, right? In my own heart, I'm enticed. And you know what we do? We find a way when we're, we find a way to fulfill our lust. Like, okay, you, you're thinking about something you really want, so you're like, oh, let me just, let me just accidentally Google that one, right? Or something, I don't know, right? I don't know how we, but you know, we find a way, we seek our own stuff out. You know, eventually someone has to say, you know, we've got to stop blaming Satan, right? Does Satan know me? You know yourself. You don't need Satan, <laughs> right? You don't need Satan. Can't keep blaming Satan. I chose it myself, you know? Like, I, I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't buy this, you know, whatever, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, at the store, and I drive by Fred Meyer. I know Fred Meyer sells it. So I just kind of take the long route just so I'm tempted. Right? I know I can go another route, but no, I want to go by Fred Myers because I know what I want. Whatever it is that's going on in our lives, we have to own it. And it's all up here. Taking control of our minds. Taking our minds captive. Right? So that we can be free. Sin cannot free you. It doesn't have the power to do so. You have to free yourself. And the way you free yourself is you be honest with yourself. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah, it's me, church. Here's, here's my weakness. Here's my lust. This is my thing, my vice. This is my vice. Preacher, you know that's going to kill you, right? Well, I know, but it's just going to kill me a little bit. Right? No, you're either dead or you're alive. Right? Sin will not turn you loose. Someone said also, sin will take you further than you want to go. I don't know. Sometimes I want to go that far. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't allow yourself to be tricked. 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 Don't allow yourself to be tricked into believing that it was somebody else's fault. When I find myself giving in to my lust and my sin. Own it. So from Genesis chapter 1, very good, to a, a, a terrible place and five chapters thereafter, and God destroys the whole world. And sin, that same sin, is a choice. And tonight the question is, well, I choose to stay away from sin. And that is up to you. Right? That's your choice. You can't blame anybody else. Not our, our environment, our circumstance, our situation. Our, you can't blame anyone else. I can't. It's me. The lesson this evening is yours. Church, the admonition, the encouragement to you is to stay away from sin. And when you find yourself in sin, and you need God's help, which we all do. Ask God for help. Ask the brethren for help. And tonight, if you need help, come ask the brethren for help. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Tonight, if you'd like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, come forward. Let God help you tonight. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation, why don't you come?